Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. Alright, welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on the Frontlines podcast. I am super excited for my guest today. Her name is Cassie Hulse. She does a lot with my personal favorite podcast, Unashamed, Unafraid. She has an episode on there that will be linked, so definitely go listen to that. If you haven't listened to the interview that they did with me, go listen to that as well. They are amazing. Their hosts are amazing. Everything. Everyone on that crew is amazing. I cannot hype them up enough, seriously. So yeah, definitely go listen to those, but I'm excited because I get to hear Cassie's story firsthand today, and we haven't done a story episode for a while, so this will be good and it is very much needed. So Cassie, without further ado, I want you to kind of introduce yourself. Don't go into your story yet, but I just want to hear like, like who are you? What are your hobbies, family, everything? Awesome. That sounds great. Okay, so I grew up in Oregon, but I've lived in Utah for the last like eight years or so. I went to BYU and studied linguistics. I served a mission in Lima, Peru, and yeah, I love hiking. I actually like, so it's kind of funny when I first moved to Utah, I hated the mountains like what? I know it's crazy. <laughs> I thought that they like I felt very claustrophobic. I felt like oh, cut no. off from the eastern half of the world <laughs> and like it felt like they were gonna fall on top of me. <laughs> but now I love them. They're like one of the main reasons that keeps me in Utah. What what changed? What's your like mountain conversion story? Let's dive into that. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I had I was hanging out with a friend who grew up here and he was talking about, you know, like mountains are like the ancient temples and, you know, they're like a symbol of like worshiping God. They point to God and just that whole idea. I was like, oh, yeah. And then every time I looked at the mountains, I would think of the temple. Hmm. So, yeah. Cool. That actually really yeah, is nice. like a conversion story. Right, it literally is. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and then I got into hiking and everything. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, amazing. I'm yeah. with you on the hiking. We got to do something. Yeah. We got to go on a hike sometime. Awesome. That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, well, and my family. And your family, your family. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. So, I'm the oldest and I have a a split family. I was raised with my mom and I am adopted and sealed to my stepdad and I consider him dad. And I was raised with three siblings from that that marriage. Mm -hmm. And then my biological father, I reconnected with them when I was like 20 or so. And I have three siblings on that side as well cool okay yeah how fun (laughs) it's a little wild but it's a little wild but hey you know what a family is a family yep (laughs) i love it well that's awesome okay well 
let's just kind of dive into your story. I just kind of want you to to take it where you want to take it and start it where you want to start it. So let's just hear, yeah, how did how did pornography start for you? If you want to start earlier than that, you just take the reins here. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. So pornography started when I was about 11 years old. I came across internet pornography. And so just for context, I'm 31 years old. And so during that time, obviously no smartphones, no social media. So it was just like a computer in the family room. And it started with pictures, but those were like kind of like scary and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like understand what I was looking at. And eventually I discovered like literature, like romance stories, things mm-hmm. like that. And just like, I mean, it's like, it's such a typical story. Like it's, I I feel like there, there there really isn't anything like hugely different about my story which is like a whole conversation in itself <laughs> also i should mention okay, i don't know if you, okay this might be something you might want to edit out <laughs> so like i was listening to uh your dad's episode yeah and you guys were talking about like ADHD and like <laughs> just the tangents. Okay, so fellow ADHDer. Yes. Let's um, go. <laughs> so immediately like just now I'm like, oh wait, but then this. Oh wait, but then this. <laughs> like a pinball machine. I get it. Okay. So just so, just forewarning you that like that is a possibility. That's okay. I'll be here's what I'll do as a fellow ADHDer, <laughs> this is what I would want someone to do. I'll be taking the notes. Okay. And then if we get on track, I'll be like, that's where we were. I'll catch those pinballs for you. Okay. (laughs) That sounds great. Perfect. Okay. So, yeah, I was 11 years old. I saw internet pornography. So, yeah, obviously, like, masturbation became a part of that. And that was just that, that whole time, probably, like, 10 years, I was just completely isolated in that regard like I did not tell a single soul I just I I hid it away so hard (laughs) like I remember we had some kind of like writing assignment in one of my classes in like eighth grade and we were just like supposed to like write down something that we like struggled with and wanted to get better at and I remember and my teacher we weren't even going to hand it in it was like Mm -hmm. just this little exercise that we were just doing on our own and I like I literally could not even write the word like there were years and years where yeah I like (laughs) I just was like I struggle with and then I drew a blank line like fill in the blank yeah No, it's so true. Like, I think that is very similar to to my experience because I don't know if I mentioned this on the Unashamed Unafraid podcast, but like I had gone back when I was first starting all this stuff because I was like, okay, I need to like actually piece together this story because yeah, for the last six years, like my 
like the question of what is my story about pornography hadn't really been on my mind yeah. <laughs> so I was like I need to actually get this together like like actually look back and see what the timeline is right and so I'm like okay I'll go to my journal entries there's nothing absolutely nothing because yeah. there's the same thing it's like once you once you write it down on paper it's real and yes. that was really scary yes so. and someone might see it someone yep. might read it and know someone might read it yeah that was it was funny I mean I say it's funny and I laugh I laugh at like my experience back then but it was so right. real and everyone's experiences are so real so I'm not laughing to sound insensitive but but Amanda on the her episode is called vulnerability leads to vulnerability she did the same thing she wrote out a letter I can't remember if it was to her friend or her her religious leader but she wrote out the letter and then she's like yeah and then I tore it up and threw it in the river (laughs) and I was like I was like what like I laugh but I'm like that's so real like that's just how it there is so much shame and it's so real and overbearing and like all consuming. So yeah, I just, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that's a pretty common experience, which is sad. (laughs) Right. Right. And I like, okay. So something that has been like so frustrating to me, like listening to the stories on your podcast is like, okay, So part of my story is also, you know, all the shame at church, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, hearing from my amazing, wonderful young women leaders who I absolutely love and who are wonderful and changed my life in many ways, but, (laughs) you know, said the normal phrase that we all heard of, we know none of you struggle with this, but we're going to talk about pornography, right? And that hearing that same experience happen from women and girls that you have interviewed and even yourself Mm -hmm. where there's like a 10 year age gap Mm. like it just frustrates me so bad because like I feel like a lot of my story actually like has happened just within the last like six or seven years for me when I like first entered recovery Mm. and like I've done so much work with amazing people like speaking at conferences and writing in the enzyme and you know just like trying so hard to just spread the word that hey Mm -hmm. women struggle too Mm -hmm. (laughs) women need help And it's so frustrating that the narrative and the experiences just haven't changed. Yeah. And anyways, that's like, that's a bit of a tangent. No, but but I think it's, it's true. And well, I know that like you speaking out and talking about your story has impacted so many people, but it takes a village and like, it is not just going to be you and me and Ashley and all the girls that I've had on my podcast it's not just us like we need an army that's why it's sisters on the front lines I'm like I'm not we're not doing this alone like it's we really do and so but I can see that growing like I think there really is like something big coming and I think it's it's been in the works for a while and it's been very needed for a while but I think just when we know better we do better and so I think there's more research and education coming out 
about this and it's going to become something that it's like, okay, we have to stop just hiding, hiding away from this and actually like face it head on and get rid of the, the fear surrounding it. So that's so true. And I just like, I've been so excited about this podcast, like just, I, I just like, I'm so proud of you and just like so happy that it's that this exists and that you're doing it like it just is just awesome it's really awesome you know what it I brag about it all the time but I don't brag about it because like it's something that I've done I brag about it because I think I have the most amazing guests ever and I think that it really is very like divinely inspired the people that either reach out to me to come on the podcast or like the people that I feel prompted to reach out to and so I do brag about it all the time but it's because it's not a Maddie Davis work it's a Heavenly Father work and right. so yeah I'm, go- I'm gonna brag about him totally I am yeah <laughs> I love but- that so yes struggled with pornography <laughs> um let's see okay so I was like 19 or so when I first told a bishop and it was like coming from the place of you know it's behind me like I am not struggling with it anymore and it was luckily like an incredible experience Hmm. like my he was actually a branch president and which is similar to a bishop like a pastor and uh, he was just kind and loving and he was just like he's like I'm so sorry that like you've just struggled alone all these years and like just thank you for for saying something now and it was really great that is and great. I know not everyone has that experience but I def- I did so it was awesome And then I went off to college and it was just totally different ballgame in college. And, you know, the stress of things just, it just, I started struggling again. And that was devastating. But that time I learned like, no, okay, like it's safe to tell a bishop. It's safe to talk to bishops about it. And I continued to have wonderful experiences with talking to bishops about it. And the the struggle that I had, though, was each time that I would talk to a bishop, it was always met with like, okay, just don't do it again. And mm-hmm. you're good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. <laughs> And I actually want to kind of dive into that. Okay. That I think a lot of times, like I've heard so many experiences like that. Right. Like, okay, like, like you're forgiven. Like you're good. You checked repentance right off the box. Right. Right. So I guess hmm, I'm trying to think of what, what the best question is here. What do you think that that teaches about the atonement? And what do you think needed to be done differently for your scenario? I love that question. That was a really good question. Okay. So first, I think that it speaks more to the assumptions that bishops will make with 
you know, like bishops have a really hard job. Like they do. They like on the one hand, some bishops like, you know, they're like, I don't want to ask too many questions. I don't want to get too detailed. I don't want to be inappropriate or come off as creepy Mm -hmm. or, you know, I don't want too much information. And then on the other hand, they're trying, they're just trying to like walk that line of like what's Mm -hmm. appropriate and what's not. Totally. And at least that that's what I'm assuming. I haven't actually like had this discussion with the bishop about how they feel about it. Um, But I think that it's, you know, a lot of times in my case there, yeah, there was just this assumption that like girls don't really, you know, they don't have that like compulsivity towards pornography. Mm -hmm. Like if this girl is coming into my office and telling me she watched pornography, it's probably because she just accidentally saw it or like accidentally came across it one Mm -hmm. time. Uh, That's what I'm assuming. But I think, I think bishops like in the past few years, I think that they know better now. Yeah. I think that they understand that girls can have, you know, compulsive behavior with pornography. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but back to, so, you know, before the past few years, you know, my experiences in in college and whatnot, I think Mm -hmm. also like, you know, that, that blind spot that they had, I guess, kind of prevented them from like offering any help. So like not a single time was I ever invited to like check out the addiction recovery program or like. interesting. Did you even know that it like existed? No, no. The first (laughs) time. So I was, let's see. Okay. So I I'm I'll get a little bit more into my story and then I'll like mm-hmm. come back to this. Totally. Okay, so okay. in 2016, February of 2016, I published my story to a blog. Hmm. And I it was like a very similar thing like 6 months or so before doing it. God was like, "You need to tell your story. You need to tell your story." And I was hmm. like, quiet stop (laughs) and then I like I finally did it right and it was like terrifying and amazing and terrifying and amazing that's a good way to describe it (laughs) (laughs) so before like before publishing this blog I hadn't I I had told like three or four friends Mm -hmm. through those years so like and then in the first 24 hours of the blog being posted, it had like thousands of views. Oh my gosh. And How did you feel about that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was like, I know just thinking about it now, I've like tingled all over my body, like I, like free falling. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. I like, I that went from just having like a few close people knowing the yeah. deepest, darkest shame and then to like thousands of people knowing yeah. like, what the age <laughs> what the- yeah it was so scary but the thing that was awesome about it was just getting tons of dms from people and mostly women just being like oh my gosh i thought i was the only one oh. and that was incredible because 
at the time of publishing that blog, I was afraid that I was the only one. And I was like, it is it is very possible that I will publish this and people will judge me. But I'm like, if I can find just that one other girl, I know there has to be one other girl out there who struggles. Yeah. Well, and- I'm curious because when I was like struggling with it and I was having that same feeling of like, well, is there someone else? Like, really? Am I just like this gross person? Like, I kind of looked it up and I was like, do women, like, is it okay for women to view pornography? I think that's the question that I asked the all-knowing internet. And of course, the all-knowing internet was like, yes, it's okay. And I was like, well, I feel, I still feel a little conflicted about this, but I guess this is telling me it's okay. So, but that, like, it was weird because I was like, okay, there've got to be other women that struggle with this. But I still felt like I was the only one because there was no one that was like, well, I had never heard of anyone in Utah. I had never heard of anyone of a Christian faith, let alone member of Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so even though I knew, okay, maybe I'm not the only one in the entire world, just not knowing that there was someone like close to me that struggled with it definitely had an effect. So I'm curious what your experience was with that because you're like, I thought I was the only one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of okay. So the the thing that that told me that maybe I wasn't was I actually had a roommate in college at BYU Idaho kind of confide in me that she struggled. Hmm. And I was like, "Oh. Okay, yeah. I also used to do that a long time ago." <laughs> <laughs> I still I still had so much shame. I like could not talk yeah. about it. that was the only time that like I had heard Mm -hmm. of someone else struggling and then I don't like I honestly I don't remember ever doing like a google search and Mm -hmm. like I'm really I wonder how that would have impacted it because I literally did not even think of like no no I'm sure I did I'm sure I feel like I would, I yeah, I would have searched like help for overcoming pornography or like something right. like that. But I don't, yeah. I don't remember if I ever searched like women struggling with porn, right? Or like anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Which late, I mean, I I found out after publishing my blog, which okay. So getting back to like why I'm telling this story. Mm-hmm. Like I had a bu- like a few women who were already in that movement reach out to me. Okay, and it like I discovered like quite a f- a, ha- a handful of women who mm-hmm. I was <laughs> quite a few like all five of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> who have been sharing their stories online and like. Mm-hmm like trying to speak out and help other people. Um, and I had a woman um, who, did, she didn't struggle with pornography, but she was actively involved in just the the movement of like, the anti-porn movement, I guess it would be called at that time. Mm. She had been a director at UCAP, the Utah Coalition mm. Against Pornography. And she, we, she became like a really amazing mentor for me. Her name's Fauna Davis. 
and she founded Reach 10. Cool. And yeah, the Breaking the Silence podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> yeah. So I like got to help her with like I was a part of that team and um it's um Reach 10 is no longer up and running, but they're actually the coming back. Yeah. Or yeah. The podcast. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, back. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And Chriselle runs it. I'm sure I don't know. She might have plans to bring back the organization. I don't know. It was kind of like handed off to her. So yeah. She's like resurrecting it, which is awesome. Anyways, yeah. okay. <laughs> so Vana, she read my blog and she reached out and was like, Hey, there's this thing called UCAP and it's in a few weeks and you should go. And so I went to UCAP for the first time and that was where I heard the word recovery for the first time and I, where I learned about addiction recovery program through the LDS church. And so that that is where I first learned like, oh, there are there, there's a community of people and there are tools available to me as meager and, you know, I, I'm thinking of the episode that you did with Julie. Oh, was that was it with Julie where you guys talked about addiction, or was yeah, that with Amanda? The addiction models. Yeah, that was with yeah, like Julie's yeah, the, was with Julie. the amazing PhD on female porn use, which like I still can't believe. I'm like, who does that? Like, right? Who are you? I love her so much. I know. So. Anyways. So just thinking, she that episode had me just rethinking all just everything that I know about like addiction recovery and calling right. it addiction and totally. just all these things. Anyways, it was incredible. I loved that episode. Good. So yeah, I started therapy for the first time. Shortly after that, I went to an addiction recovery group for women only who struggle with pornography. And that was really cool to just, like, go, like, be in a room of women who have the same struggle. Yeah. Like, that that was a totally new experience for me from, you know, believing that I was the only one in the world, yeah. like, sitting in a room of women. And I originally started going to therapy because I, I just realized, like, so I, I was kind of having like disordered eating mm -hmm. um, and I it was like I would like really restrict my food but when I was like restricting my food I'd be binging on pornography mm -hmm. and if I was restricting so pornography just... I'd binge yeah. on food yeah. so that was when I realized like this isn't healthy and it's not working like doing this on my own and so I went to therapy and I was there for like seven years and it was great. Good. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing a lot better now. We, you know, worked through trauma and learned coping skills and. What were some of like, what were some of the most helpful things that you'd say you learned? Man really the like just learning how to feel my emotions yeah like it sounds so simple 
but I had spent like my entire life basically just numbing emotions. Yeah. And before pornography, it was food. I like I started numbing intentionally when I was probably like eight or nine years old. And mm. so like just spending just learning learning how to spend time with myself and recognize you know what emotions are coming up that there are more emotions than just happy or sad yeah and like just I mean so so many things so many things but so I'm curious how did learning how to feel your emotions well first off I want to share like the most amazing quote that I think puts this so beautifully that Emmy Bass shared when she was talking about the Unalone Club on Mm. one of these podcast episodes. She said, so she's actually never struggled with pornography herself, but she's always been like in the supporting role and she provides an awesome perspective on that. But she, she was talking about, I asked her, I was like, well, what have you learned? Like, how has your role as a supporter changed? Like, what have you learned about that? And she's like, I think the biggest thing that I learned is it's not necessarily a sexual problem. It's a feeling your emotions problem. And it's so true. It's so true. And so I'm curious, like, why is that? Or why was that for you? Why is it a feeling your emotions problem? How does that tie into pornography? Oh, totally. Like, okay, I think that's, I think there are a lot of things that go into that question or answering that question. So first for me, like pornography, it, people use it for a reason. Like Mm -hmm. it, it does something for us. Otherwise we wouldn't use it. We wouldn't struggle with using it or not using it. And so like, I didn't realize that when I wanted to use pornography, it was to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. I didn't know how to address the problem. Number one, I didn't know how to really recognize it. Mm-hmm. And number two, I didn't know how to address it or fix it. Mm-hmm. And so like learning how to address your emotions instead of just turning to pornography or to food or to social media or to your phone, you know, like whatever it is. Like, it it is a lot like, so there are a few analogies that I really love. One is, you know, you're, you're on a boat in the ocean, and if a wave is coming, you, tur- you turn your boat and you, you point your boat towards the wave and you face the wave. And that's how you get over the wave. If you turn away from the wave, you're going to capsize. Mm-hmm. So is- for me, recognizing emotions, sitting in your emotions, and having compassion and grace for whatever ba- like negative emotions might come up, that is equivalent to facing the wave. Mm-hmm. And turning away from the wave, for me, every time binging or numbing mm-hmm. through pornography or food or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, so it it started with each time I felt like I wanted to look at porn, 
I started asking myself why. And mm. then I, I had to go beyond that because like immediately I'm just like, because I'm feeling like I want yeah. to look at it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then I started asking myself like, okay, what am I, what emotions am I running away from? Mm-hmm. What wave am I turning away from or what storm am I running away from? Which so that just really quick, the other analogy for that is, you know, be a buffalo. Buffaloes run into the storm and the storm passes over them quickly where cows mm. will run away from the storm and end up staying in the storm much, much longer. Love that. Yeah, love that analogy too. Actually, that might be a better analogy than the wave analogy, honestly. <laughs> but like when I would choose to look at porn, as soon as that dopamine rush is gone and I've like come back to my senses, like I'm still in the storm. Yeah. You know? Yep. And those emotions are st- <laughs> Are not only are they still there, but they sometimes are just exacerbated and just like yep. way worse than they were before. Totally. So, yeah, just like learning how to just ask myself, what am I feeling? And like being present in my body, being present for myself, like that, that was a huge tool that I learned in therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I think a lot of times, like, I know, like, the audience of this podcast is mainly mainly women, but I think a lot of times, like, Sarah Brewer talks about this a lot, that is kind of where the problem comes from for guys, especially. I mean, for women, too, like, it's, it's the same thing. But for guys, a lot of times, there's some messaging that's like, oh, like, don't, like, men don't cry, like, boys don't cry, like, you don't have if if you cry like you're a you're a wuss or whatever or you're not right. strong and i actually think that there is nothing like stronger or more admirable than a guy that knows how to actually like feel his emotions and mm-hmm. and one of the things like when you hear that when you hear oh you just have to learn how to feel your emotions right it's not like you're taking like a 15 minute break every single time an emotion comes up and you're like what exactly I'm feeling. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Sometimes that's what you got to do. It depends on the feeling. But a lot of times it's just noticing it as you're doing whatever you're doing. And it doesn't have to be this like whole event. Like sometimes, especially at the beginning when you're learning how to do this, it helps to do that. But seriously, like that is something that takes skill and that takes strength. Anyone can avoid and buffer away their emotions but not everyone can feel their emotions properly. So Amen. I guess if there's, yeah, if there's any, if there's any guys listening, even if there's any girls listening that are feeling that way, like, well, yeah, I mean, feel your emotions, blah, blah, blah. No, like, I promise you, it makes you a stronger and more emotionally resilient person. And it will make you to sh- stronger to do the things that you really do want to do. So yes, it's yeah. a good thing. Because a part of it too is, once you learn how to recognize your emotions, then you can learn how to process them. Exactly. And I mean, that just, that makes, that makes all the difference. It does. It really does. And it allows you to move forward faster. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. run through the storm mm-hmm. instead of running along with it. 
Exactly. Oh, amen. Those were both just beautiful analogies. I haven't heard those before. Thanks. They are not original. I did not come up with them. (laughs) (laughs) Credit Cassie Holes. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Well, whoever they came from, thank you. Whoever made those up. Yes, thank you. Thank you to whoever. (laughs) Okay. I'm curious. So we're we add tangent so we have to take we have to take it back now where okay. where were we i hope you're keeping track oh therapy <laughs> therapy therapy and just entering recovery okay and then does that kind of lead us to now or is yeah. there a okay that leads us to now oh okay yeah. oh, per- perfect we were farther than i thought yeah <laughs> that's awesome okay well then actually let's just jump into the last two questions because then okay. i like that kind of sometimes helps people tie up any loose ends cool. and stuff. Okay, first question. What keeps you on the front lines in the war against pornography? Man, I love this question. I, like, every time... So I, I've listened to every single episode, Maddie. Oh, my gosh. I want gosh. you to know that. Oh, my gosh. You're a number one fan? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> okay, so... But every time you ask that, I think about it for myself... And you'd think that all the times that you've asked, you know, all of the episodes that I would like have a solid answer by now, but I don't. <laughs> but the thing that keeps me in the front lines it is the current young women in the church. They 100% keep me in the front lines. They deserve so much better than what I had to go through or what you went through. They, the, the current rising generation, they are going through a time that is just unlike any other. And while there is a lot of fear and darkness in this world, there's also a lot of light. And seeing their light and their goodness and you know, wanting to just help them know that they they have a place in this world that God has a plan for them that they're not alone mm-hmm. yeah that they're definitely like what keep me in the fight and then obviously like just you know feeling feeling called to by God and mm-hmm. just knowing that like you know, he'll use my completely imperfect ability to share stories <laughs> or to like, you know, just like share my experience. He'll use it for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll take my imperfections. He'll take my struggles, my weakness and make it perfect. Yeah. Oh, Amen. Cassie, you were just amazing. And I'm so glad that you acted on those promptings because I know that's a that's a hard and scary thing to do. And like, especially hard and scary for you because you probably were like the first one, like one of the first ones to talk so openly about this. We, I There were like two others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All three of us at the time. <laughs> Yeah. So that like, like seriously, LDS women. Yeah. yeah. Like you are just a warrior. Like I just see, I mean, I know we're not even in person right now, but I just can like feel your light and see your light through the screen. And so I'm just 
you've I know you've got a wonderful soul like thank and there's you just, the um, exact same thing can be said about you thanks. just letting you know that <laughs> <laughs> thank you okay I think we you kind of touched a little bit on this but I want to hear like the direct answer what would you say to a young girl who's struggling right now with pornography I would say what every other person says and what I said earlier you are not alone (laughs) I would let her know that she is absolutely and completely loved and that there is nothing that she can do that would make God love her less and there's nothing she could do that would make God love her more that she is completely loved right now in this very moment exactly how she is and that as we as we come closer to God as we seek him out he will invite us to change and he will enable us to make baby steps and enable us to slowly become better disciples of Jesus Christ but it's not something that happens overnight and but that his love is unchanging no matter where you are in the journey back to heavenly father um even if, like if you're completely off the path god loves you amen amen he loves you right where you're at and he will meet you right exactly where you're at yeah just echo everything that you said well thank you so much for coming on cassie i am so excited for like i seriously can't wait for this episode to be released because it's it's just such a message of hope and message of light and thank you for sharing your light with us thanks maddie yeah it's of been course. awesome yeah of course and thank you so much everyone for listening if you have a story to share please reach out to me on Instagram at sisters on the front lines or via email at sisters on the front lines at gmail.com. Please remember you are not alone and feeling your emotions is awesome. And remember to face the wave. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and give the podcast a rating on Apple podcasts and on Spotify so we can reach more young women, parents, and leaders. And until next episode, keep up the good fight on the front lines.